0: Paul has been writing in the earlier verses of 2 Corinthians 4 about not giving up in the face of death and lots of serious problems and troubles and suffering. He talks about the fragility of life like a clay jar that's actually something precious. I think we all know those feelings at times, I do, in these days. But Paul then goes on to say in verses 14 to 18 what gives him the hope to continue in the face of all this heaviness and not give up. But we know that God, who raised the Lord Jesus, will also raise us with Jesus and present us to himself, together with you. All this is for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving and God will receive more and more glory. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. The peace of God be with us.
1: This week, an auction company in Los Angeles announced that it has in its possession the original uh, pencil lyrics, pencil written lyrics of Don McLean's second most famous song, and those lyrics are going up for sale with the opening bid being $1.5 million. Now, McLean's most famous song is, of course, American Pie, Pie, inspired by the tragedy of Buddy Holly's death, February 3rd, 1959, along with the deaths of Richie Valens and the big bopper J.P. Richardson. In a plane crash, that was the day the music died and has had a profound influence on so many musicians. McLean's second most famous song is entitled Vincent, or as it is known informally, Starry Starry Night. It's those lyrics that are for sale. It's those lyrics that are tragically beautiful, and it's those lyrics that have quite the story behind them. Don McLean graduated from college with a degree in finance and business, and he had the opportunity then to go on to graduate school, And become a titan of Wall Street, I suppose. But he loved music. He loved particularly folk music. And even as he had worked on his undergraduate degree, uh, he was doing side gigs and playing a lot of music. And he decided after college that he wanted to go the route of being a singer-songwriter. It was the late 1960s, and he was taken under the wing of the great Pete Seeger. And Pete showed him how to perform, taught him how to write songs. And McLean put out an album, this is the late 60s, after being rejected 72 times by 72 different labels. And finally a label took a chance on this kid. And he put out this album and nobody bought it. It was a disaster. So as a lot of musicians do, even the ones that play in this room, uh, he had a side hustle. So he was trying to make some music uh, and money on the side and he was playing music at a little elementary school uh, for the kids. And one day, he wandered into one of the school libraries, and he picked up a book entitled The Letters of Vincent Van Gogh. It was a collection of correspondence between Vincent and his younger brother, Theo. And Don McLean was shattered by this book. It was so full of suffering, of pain, of Vincent's terrible, conflicted soul that McLean found a print of Van Gogh's most famous painting, it's called Starry Night, and he sat down with that painting, and he contemplated it, and he saw in the colors the very essence of Van Gogh himself, and then beginning on the back of a brown lunch bag, the lyrics began to flow. Starry, starry night, paint your palette blue and gray, look out on a summer day with eyes that know the darkness in my soul. The resulting song, Vincent, would go on McLean's second album, released in 1971, entitled American Pie. And the world was given a masterpiece, inspired by a masterpiece. Years ago, Palm Sunday 2012, to be exact, I checked, I used Van Gogh and his story to talk about suffering, to talk about pain, to talk about beauty. And I borrowed a line from Bob Dylan that day, a line that I'll use again today as the title for this talk. Behind every beautiful thing. Behind every beautiful thing from Dylan's song, Not Dark Yet, there has been some kind of pain. Behind every beautiful thing, there has been some kind of pain. In quoting Don McLean's own reflection on Van Gogh and his own music, he said this, Pain is as... Important as art, you have to suffer to produce art. We are missionaries, really. We go out to the world with our art and with our pain on a mission to hopefully change the world just a little bit. Beauty and suffering are always joined together. Always. In the coming week, on July 29th of this week, the art world will remember the 130th anniversary of the death of that Dutch genius Vincent van Gogh, the epitome of the tragic suffering artist, and returning to his story today, I wonder if with him and with Don McLean and the Apostle Paul, we might begin to think, and as McLean says in that song, understand what he is trying to say to you and to me. There will be nothing beautiful in our lives without some hardship, nothing lasting, worth giving to the world without some punishing, crushing reality. There is no resurrection without a cross, no glory without some grief, no mountaintop view without the hard, exhausting climb to get there, and no success without a fair amount of failure. This hardly needs any application. This hardly needs any explanation. It is just self-evident in your individual life and especially in the world in which we live. Here is Paul again from today's reading. We do not give up, Paul says. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed, our present troubles are small. They won't last long. They produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. There is a lasting, eternal beauty being produced by the temporary troubles of this world. There is a not-yet-seen purpose, some sort of meaning behind the insanity, even the insanity of 2020. We can't understand it most of the time. But it is there, and it is working itself out eventually. Think of a woman who is given birth. She suffers intensely, crippling, incapacitating contractions, Why does she endure that? Why do women keep giving birth? Because of the life that is within them. That life is worth the pain that they go through. Think of an athlete who will get up early in the morning, punish their body, training, eating just specific things, pushing themselves to the very limit, suffering. And for what? For the chance of winning the game, the chance of crossing the finish line first. Think of a student who takes this massive load of classes and academic work, and they are crawling beneath the weight of this. Why are they doing that? Why are they hurting themselves? For the glory of getting that diploma. For the chance of finishing the drill that has been set before them. I'm thinking today of my own son, my oldest son, Blaze. haven't spoken to him in weeks. He is scheduled to graduate Thursday from Air Force basic training. Absolutely, the hardest eight weeks of his life. In his letters, he says that emotionally it's hard, physically it's hard, spiritually it is hard, but he's going to make it. He's now in the home stretch and he will achieve something that only 1% of the population in this country is able to do. 1%. And it will be worth it. It will have changed him, it will have grown him up, it will be worthy but not without the suffering that is involved. Our journey through life, and I wish this were different, is often a pilgrimage of pain. It is the constant rising and falling of the path beneath our feet, pushing us harder, pushing us higher until we despair, giving us great views of the land below to be sure, but not without the punishing, grueling walk that it takes to get there. It is simply impossible to separate the worthy and the beautiful from pain and suffering. They will always go together. And that brings me back to Van Gogh, the story of his life. He brought this world priceless wonder, but it came at tremendous personal suffering. In his short life of 37 years, Van Gogh produced 900 oil paintings, and about 1,200 watercolors, sketches, and prints. His greatest work came in the last two manicures of his life. Most of us know a little bit about him, or at least we recognize some of his more famous works. Here is Sunflowers, Old Man in Sorrow, his first work, The Potato Eaters, his many self-portraits, his last painting, Wheat Filled with Crows, and it is ominous with those blackbirds and the storm in the distance it was completed just days before his death and then maybe his most recognizable work the aforementioned and sung about starry starry night he was a terribly disturbed young man and though we don't know exactly what his mental and emotional affliction was It was with him his entire life. It could have been schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, syphilis, lead poisoning from his paints. He also suffered from malnutrition because he had no time to eat. He suffered from insomnia. He had no time to sleep. He suffered from alcoholism. He always had time to drink. Another well-known fact about Van Gogh is that he became so distraught at one stage in his life, he cut off his own ear and gave it to a prostitute as a gift. And we also know that his life ended with a self-inflicted gunshot wound to the chest. He died a couple days later after shooting himself. His last words were, the sadness will last forever. In his time, he was considered a failure, a loser, a lost soul. His genius was not recognized while he was living. No one valued his work. He only sold a few prints, and he died without a penny. And was buried in a borrowed grave. A messianic line from Don McLean's Vincent comes to mind. Now I understand what you tried to say to me. How you suffered for your sanity. How you tried to set them free. But they would not listen. They did not know how. Perhaps they'll listen now. And we're all listening now. Van Gogh has been resurrected from his sufferings. His paintings are some of the world's most expensive and most envied work of arts. A Van Gogh painting today, even the smallest, will fetch upwards of $75 million at any auction or private sale. What you may not know about Van Gogh is this, that he never set out to be an artist, to be a painter. He didn't even pick up the brush until he was nearly 30 After failing as an art dealer in his early 20s, he set out to become a pastor. God has sent me to preach the gospel to the poor, Vincent wrote to his brother Theo in 1876. So he went to Amsterdam to enter the Methodist seminary and he failed the entrance exam. Undeterred, he entered a missionary school in Brussels. He flunked out after three months. Still resolute in his chosen vocation, he convinced the Dutch Reformed Church to appoint him as a missionary pastor. And here he succeeded in his own way. He moved to a little village where the poverty was grinding and his parishioners were were without even the basics of life. And Van Gogh gave away all of his possessions to them. He lived like a beggar, barely surviving. And when the church authorities came to inspect his ministry, because it was growing so fast, and they were hearing these wonderful reports, they were so appalled by him and his appearance that they removed him immediately from the pastorate and deemed him undermining of the dignity of the priesthood. And it broke his heart. Here's one more Van Gogh painting entitled, The Church at Auvers." I want you to look at this one just a moment. It is one of Van Gogh's favorites, one of his only religious paintings. And it is incredibly symbolic. What do you notice about it? First, you see that the path leads to the church. A pathway made of gold. But then the path cuts around the church. And when you look close, you see why. There's no doors on this church. Only windows. After the church rejected Vincent in 1879, Van Gogh concluded that there was no way for him to get back in. He left the church, he left the establishment, he never returned to it. It was his, this specific pain, discovering that the God of religion was an empty room with no doors to get in, that hurt him the most. But in the breaking and out of the suffering erupted that majestic creativity. Behind every beautiful thing, there has been some kind of pain. Van Gogh picked up his brush as an artist before God. The one rejected by the church for going to the rejected said this, quote, The great artists, the serious masters tell us with their masterpieces what leads us to God. One writes it in a book. One tells it in a story. Another can paint it in a picture. And it was Van Gogh's pictures, his interpretations of the world around him that he used in his own way to lead people to God, even though he was so lost so much of the time. And he did so with all of these rough edges and broken pieces, his fragmented mind, all of his illnesses, and with his short, remarkable life, even when others could not love him and could not understand him, he poured it out in service to heaven. Because behind every beautiful thing, There's been some kind of pain. Quoting Don McLean again, pain is an important part of art. You have to suffer. We are missionaries, really. We go out to the world with our art and with our pain on a mission to hopefully change the world. Just a little bit. That's the Christian vocation. We embrace suffering our own, of others, of the world, not to explain it, not to dismiss it, not to put a band-aid on it, not to blame someone for it. We embrace it in honesty because pain and suffering is a part of the human experience. It has been with us from the very beginning. It will be with us to the end. It is unavoidable, but it is mingled with hope. It is a means to stunning beauty if we are good stewards of our suffering. And though we may not live to see the meaning behind it, and we may not understand it in our own day, we testify to this pain racked world that we will never give up. And though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed, our present troubles won't last very long. They produce for us a glory that will last forever. Van Gogh's first sermon was preached on the 29th of October, 1876. It was named, I am a stranger on this earth. Vincent preached these words long before he would live them out. And it's interesting to me that he said this about the same age as Don McLean was when he wrote Vincent. Neither one of them yet 25 years old. Remarkable, the insights of these two youngsters. Quoting Van Gogh in his sermon. It is an old belief, it is a good belief, that our life is a pilgrim's progress. We are pilgrims. Our life is a long walk, but for those who believe in Jesus Christ, there is no sorrow that is not mixed with hope. There is only a constantly being born again a constantly going from darkness into the light. I once saw a very beautiful picture. It was a landscape at evening. In the distance, on the right-hand side, a row of hills appeared blue in the evening mist. Above the hills, the splendor of the sunset, the gray clouds with their linings of silver and gold and purple. Through the landscape, a road leads to a high mountain far away, and on top of that mountain, there is a city where the setting sun casts its glory. On the road walks a pilgrim, staff in his hand. He has been walking for a good long while already, and he is very tired. And now he meets a figure in black, an angel. The pilgrim asks, does this road go uphill all the way? And the answer is yes. the very end and he asks again and will this journey take all day long and the answer is from morning till night my friend and the pilgrim goes on sorrowfully yet rejoicing sorrowful because it is so far and the road is so long but hopeful as he looks at the eternal city